What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 19th episode of Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts Show, the MMA MMA Show. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Let's get right into it. There were no big MMA shows this past week. There was a PFL show, not a lot of news from that. Lance Palmer won a fight by decision, if memory serves me, but nothing uh, too dramatic. I, I think there were a couple... Like highlight real KOs, but nothing major newsworthy came uh, this past weekend as far as fight results went. There were some big stories behind the scenes, though, that we should probably discuss a little bit. One is that Endeavor, the parent company of the UFC, formerly known as WMEIMG, is going public on Thursday afternoon, according to a report from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Endeavor had filed the paperwork with the Securities and Exchange Commission, according to a form on the SEC's website. Um, The company generated $3.61 billion in revenue for 2018, with a net income of $100.1 million after adjustments. The report also indicated Endeavor's revenue increased drastically between December of 2016 and 2017, primarily due to the impact of the UFC acquisition, increased revenue from media rights, and a higher number of events and increased sponsorships at these events. That's a lot of money. $3.6 billion in revenue. Like, I know they've got a lot of different... They dabble in a lot of different businesses, bull riding, and initially they were known... um, you know, is for like being agents for actors and actresses and um, musicians, that sort of thing, being in the entertainment business. Um, and they still made like a hundred million in profit, which off of three point six billion in revenue doesn't sound great, but it's still a hundred million dollars. Like that's a lot of a lot of dough. Um, The form also outlines several potential risks, though, including the possibility of being sued over alleged long-term neurocognitive impairment arising from concussions. So this SEC report or whatever um, noted that potentially down the road, fighters could be suing Endeavor slash the UFC, um, you know, for long-term CTE, brain damage, concussions, um, memory loss, any of that stuff. Um, that hasn't really happened yet. The UFC is still pretty young, but down the road, they're probably going to have, you know, hundreds of fighters that have brain issues. It, like, it, it's going to happen. This is not a safe sport. You got highly trained, strong men and women punching each other in the head as hard as they can. You're going to have issues. Like the NFL lost billions of dollars in a lawsuit to players. Um, and their goal is just to move a football up and down a field. The goal in MMA is to, you know, knock out or submit your opponent. Down the road, the the UFC could could be in line to get sued by fighters like that. that's totally plausible 
Um, I think they've probably done a better job than the NFL with some of their regulations and treatment of fighters, but some stuff's going to slip through the cracks and they're going to get taken to court at some point. Um, There's also been efforts to unionize the MMA athletes that participate in UFC's events. A work stoppage at one or more of our operated venues or at our promoted events could have an adverse effect on our business, financial condition, and results of operations. We cannot predict the effect that a potential work stoppage would have on our business. So basically, they're warning anybody who would invest in an IPO that the fighters could strike. And it's a possibility that they could. There hasn't been a lot of momentum in that direction. There was Project Spearhead, the MMA FA, there was the MM AAA. None of those really ever got off the ground. The fighters really never got together. Um, the star fighters make a lot of money and don't want to rock the boat. And even some of the lower level guys are happy making 20 and 20 as opposed to fighting on the regional scene, just getting to the UFC alone is a lifetime goal for some of these fighters. And 20 and 20 is better than 500 bucks that they would get fighting on a regional show in their home state. So it's a tough one. They, for that to happen, the fighters would really have to come together and want to do this and I don't see that happening anytime soon. There there just is no momentum in that direction right now. And then it was also noted on the forum that UFC is currently named in five related class action lawsuits filed against it, alleging that the UFC violated Section 2 of the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890 by monopolizing the alleged market for elite professional MMA athlete services. We are unable to resolve these matters favorably. Our business operating results and our financial condition may be adversely affected. So this makes note that there are class action lawsuits. I mean, there's the one with like Randy Couture and Kung Lee and Nate Quarry. Um, That's the one I I think of off, off the top of my head. And obviously there's a few others, but. I I don't think the UFC is going to be seen as a monopoly when there's Bellator in the United States, there's PFL in the United States, both on TV. Bellator just signed that huge deal with DAZN for over $100 million. They've signed, you know, top-level fighters, um, Rory McDonald. They've got Chael... um, Fedor, like granted they're older fighters, but they're still big names. Um, then there's also Ryzen, granted it's out of the United States. And there's one, obviously you had Eddie Alvarez go over there and sign a big deal, Sage Northcutt. There's other places fighters can go. Um, so I, I don't think that Monopoly claim is going to hold up, but we will see. I mean, obviously the... UFC holds a huge market share in MMA. A lot of people don't even know what MMA is, but they know the UFC. So um, that, that that's the argument that the UFC is by far the most powerful company. But at the same time, that's not necessarily a monopoly. Maybe they're just better than everyone else at promoting MMA. 
Um, and there are other uh, there are other places fighters can go. It's not like UFC is going out of its way to put Bellator out of business or sign away Bellator's tarp, top stars. I mean, UFC could have gotten Michael Chandler if they wanted to. And I'm sure they made him an offer, but it wasn't what Bellator's offer was. And Bellator's offered guys like Ryan Bader more money, and he jumped Phil Davis, guys who were top 10 light heavyweights in the UFC. UFC didn't want to match the offer. So, like, it's, it's not a monopoly. They've got enough cases where they didn't hoard all the talent and offer them more money to, to stay with them. So I, I don't see really any of those issues anytime soon affecting an IPO. <laughs> Ari Emanuel, Patrick Whitesell, and Dana White will get much richer the day that IPO goes into effect. I can guarantee it. Uh, speaking of people getting richer, Yoel Romero just landed $27 million. Not from a fight. <laughs> the only guy who makes that money is Conor McGregor. Um, Romero has received vindication after nearly having, nearly having to put his career on hold due to a failed drug test. That vindication is coming in the form of the biggest payday in the 42-year-old's career. Romero was awarded $27.45 million after winning his lawsuit against Gold Star Performance Products, the makers of a tainted supplement that caused Romero to fail a drug test. So if you remember back, it was over a year ago, maybe two years ago, where Yuel Romero failed the test. Um, he claimed it was due to tainted supplements. USADA officially agreed with him, but still suspended him six months. Um, and all along, he was saying tainted supplement, tainted supplement. Apparently, his management team yelled led by Milky Kawa, of all people, um, put this lawsuit together, and they won $27 million for Yoel Romero. Um, Romero was reportedly rewarded $3 million each for one lost wages, two reputable harm, and three emotional damage. Then had all of that multiplied by three because of New Jersey's Consumer Fraud Act. Romero will reportedly receive the entire settlement, though he might lose some of it to legal fees. Um, my hunch is Romero's not going to get all this money because I'm guessing this company, um, what are they called? Gold something? What's it called? Gold Star Performance Products. For some reason, I, I doubt they're sitting on 27 million. Like, obviously, I'm not, uh, a legal scholar or an expert on finance or an expert on anything, actually. This is taking a turn, but some sketchy supplement company probably doesn't have $27 million kicking around to pay out to fighters who sue them. However, this could lead to a, like a snowball rolling downhill. A lot of fighters who have failed for tainted supplements might go back and start suing these companies. It might end up leading to some of these supplement manufacturers cleaning cleaning up a little bit and actually um, properly labeling their their supplements because there's been a lot of guys who have claimed that they failed tests because of a tainted supplement. And a lot of these supplement companies put things in their products 
so they're more effective, but they're not necessarily legal ingredients um, that should be in them, but they don't list it. And then word of mouth goes around, oh, this stuff works really good. I'm getting swole or whatever guys do at the gym. Um, And then it sells better, essentially. This stuff's really effective. We're going to use it and whatever. But secretly, it's got stuff in it that it's not supposed to. Um, And that's essentially what Romero claimed. Um, It's just a lot of money, man. $27 million. That's, That's probably close to... I don't know if it's 10 times what Romero has made in his MMA career, but it's probably not that far off. Like the only person who's ever made that in their MMA career is Connor, maybe Ronda and Brock. Um, John Jones, potentially, just because he's had so many fights, like title fights. But you're literally talking five people in the history of MMA have made $27 million in their career. He got it because he failed a drug test, essentially. That, that's, the, that's the greatest failure of all time. You fail a drug test and win $27 million. It's awesome. I want some tainted supplements. I would take so many tainted supplements for $27 million. You're bigger, stronger, faster. And... They pay you $27 million to be that way. It's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Bill Buckner died changing gears. That was underneath this article I was reading about Yoel Romero. Bill Buckner was uh, the first baseman who booted uh, that ground ball. I think it was game six of the 86 World Series. I was little. I was like six or seven. Probably six. Um, and the Red Sox were on that terrible curse of the, the Bambino streak, um, where they hadn't won a world series in like 80 something years at that point. And then it was like the ninth inning and it was like this easy ground ball right between Buckner's legs. And he was hated, hated for so long until, until the Red Sox won that world series in 04. Um, unbelievable. (laughs) The hate that that guy had, Bill Buckner. Um, had to be a weird life, man. The, ne- the next 30 years going around being being the person who let that ground ball and losing the World Series for the Red Sox. But uh, that was huge when I was a kid. Like a- anytime, like even in Little League, where a ball went, somebody, went through somebody's legs, you would yell Bill Buckner at him. Like, nice play, Buckner. Um, that, that was what everybody said and did. Um, poor guy. That is not the legacy I think anybody wants. Speaking of legacies, Conor McGregor's, uh, built quite the legacy. <laughs> Came in as, you know, one of the, the most exciting, hottest fighters in the world. Undefeated at featherweight in the UFC. Beats Jose Aldo, knocks him out. Um, huge fights with Nate Diaz, destroys Eddie Alvarez. Now he's on a bit of a skid, losing to Khabib and Floyd Mayweather Jr. And now he's got all these arrests and 
drug allegations and sexual assault allegations and his career seems to be spiraling 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 it's going down the drain <laughs> things things aren't going real good for connor but apparently he's been training and in training he managed to break his hand or wrist it's in a cast there's no official word on what happened to him but uh, he had a picture of himself on Instagram saying, intense training, inspiring sessions. I always push it to the limits. This comes off and I push on the proper dawn. Nothing will stop me. So his hand is in a cast. Um, I think UFC was hoping to get him for a show in July, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, Because obviously the wrist and contract negotiations are never easy with Connor because you can demand a lot of money when you're sitting on a couple hundred million dollars. You can uh, wait out the UFC until they are really desperate and want you. And again, it's a weird situation with this ESPN Plus deal because UFC has guaranteed revenue coming in um, from ESPN no matter how many buys these shows do. So it'll be... Interesting to see if ESPN pushes them to bring in Connor because ESPN will make a shit ton of money if they can get a Connor fight on there. You know, a Connor fight's going to do over a million buys even on ESPN Plus. People pay the five bucks to get ESPN Plus and the whatever 60 bucks it costs for the pay per view. People will do that for Connor. He's probably the only person people will do that for. John Jones can get a little bit of that action, but nothing like Connor, obviously. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can come to terms and UFC can put enough pressure. ESPN can pressure the UFC enough to get Connor on pay-per-view. Um, cause he's going to demand a lot of money and just is, he's not going to come back for a lesser deal just because the UFC changed their model and went to ESPN. Um, in other news, guy who probably hurt his hand as well is Alex Oliveira uh the UFC welterweight he's the, he's the guy he's basically the Brazilian cowboy um cowboy Oliveira fought at lightweight and most recently welterweight um he's been accused of assault in his hometown of Trace Rios uh in Brazil Oliveira's ex-wife filed a report on Saturday morning accusing him of pulling her by the hair punching her also breaking doors and windows. Police officials told MMA Fighting that Oliver has also been accused of getting into an altercation with a security man in a party at 5.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, Oliver, (laughs) this is not funny, but the dumb shit humans do makes me laugh. I, I don't know if that makes me a jerk or not, but I'm always intrigued by the human condition and... This is some poor decision-making on Cowboy Alex Oliveira's part here. Oliveira appeared to be under the influence of alcohol, his ex-wife told the police, and insisted on riding a motorcycle while carrying his five-month-old son. When his ex-wife attempted to stop him from doing it, Oliveira allegedly hit her and drove away with the child. His son was left with Oliveira's sister sometime later. Riding a motorcycle generally is dangerous. Like, I'm not a huge fan. I, I I like my car. I can sit down. I can listen to music. 
I can have a coffee in the cup holder, you know, if I need to, you know, get groceries, I can put them in the car. I can drive with multiple people. Like, cars are great. Motorcycles, you can't do as much with a motorcycle as you can with a car. You can't put your your bikes, your bicycles, in a bike rack on the back of your motorcycle, can you? No. There's no roof on a motorcycle. If it rains, you get all wet. Not my thing. Granted, I'm not saying no one should have a motorcycle, but no one should drive a motorcycle drunk, holding a five-month-old baby. Like, how drunk do you have to be to think that's a good idea? Granted, it's Brazil. Rules might be a little different down there. Might be more lax than in uh, the over-regulated United States of America. No, t- like I've had a few beers in my life. Never in my life have I thought, let's hop on this motorcycle with my newborn baby and go for a spin. And then when my wife is like, oh, that's a bad idea, I just like beat the crap out of her and break windows and doors in the house, then go anyway. Like, you, like, that's pretty drunk or crazy or drugs. Or you've been punched in the head a few too many times and you're not thinking straight. More more poor decision-making here. Um, Connor should fight him. Uh, no word on if Oliver's in jail or where he's at at the moment. Um, sounds like the, the police are investigating the assault allegations. Um Oliver's team told MMA fighting is innocent, but won't make any comments on the matter right now. The fighter and his lawyer went to the police station on Monday to give Oliver's side of the story. I wonder what that side's like. Listen, officers, Cowboy's son isn't five months old. He's six months old. And it wasn't a motorcycle it was an ATV, four wheels. And he wasn't drunk, he was just high. It's not what you think. Like, what, what, what is his side of the story? Like, I, I can only imagine. The wife made that up. Like, wh- why would you make that up? That's the thing with these. So may, maybe her version isn't entirely accurate, but like... What could be his side of the story where you're going to defend driving around drunk on a motorcycle with a baby? I, I, I would love to speak Portuguese and have been there for that conversation. Um, one guy who's not going to have uh, any conversations with the UFC anytime soon is Elias Theodoro. Uh, he was recently released from the company. Um, it's caught a lot of, got a, I want to say a lot of press because most people have no idea who Elias Theodoro is. He's known for his hair mainly. He's from Canada. Um, I think he trains with like Faraz Sahabi and, um, GSP's camp up there, but it got a lot of press cause he's like eight and three in the UFC. He's coming off a decision loss. He was also, he might be a model or something. I think he was the ring card boy for Invicta at one point. And he's all over social media. 
Um, not the most exciting fighter. Like, you can't think of any good, really, Elias Theodoro fights, but it's not like he's a terrible fighter. Um, he had gone 8-3 and three in the UFC, uh, won the Ultimate Fighter Nation show. Um, and I, I think... All three of his losses were decision losses. It's not like he's getting his ass handed to him. He's not getting knocked out left and right. And he seemed to like work hard on social media. And the UFC always seemed to value that. He tried to kind of build his brand or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they let him go. So a lot of people were surprised by that and didn't understand it. And maybe there's more going on behind the scenes. It's totally possible. Um Maybe he turned down some fights. Maybe he's a pain in the ass to work with. Maybe he wanted more money. I, I, I don't know the story, but on the surface, it seemed weird. You know, he, he's not the most exciting fighter, but he was good. He had somewhat of a name, somewhat of a look, a little bit of star potential. He's 30. It's not like he's super old. It's just odd. It's an odd release, but... Again, most people aren't going to miss him. The The people who were complaining about this online are the most hardcore fans in the world. Um, coming to Elias Theodoro's defense. Um, a couple other guys released two. Um, who else did we lose? Wilson Hayes, former like top contender at flyweight. I think there's only 13 flyweights left in the UFC. It seems like that division's slowly, slowly dying out. Um, Marcelo Gome was also released, and Eric Shelton, it looks like. Um, I think Justin Willis was let go too, but it was because he turned down a fight and was like way too overweight to make 265. That's the story I saw. Um, then in opposite news, we've got a guy coming out of retirement in Uriah Faber. He's returning to fight Ricky Simone, of all people. Um, which is baffling. I mean, it's going to be in Sacramento, which is um, the California kid, Uriah Faber's hometown. It's his first fight in three years. Um, again, I, I don't really love Faber coming back at 40 after three years off. Like, he retired good. He retired with a win over Brad Pickett. Like, yeah, I get it. He's stayed in shape. He wants to fight. But it's like he just lost a grappling match to a 17-year-old who just got his license and Nicky Ryan. Granted, Nicky Ryan's a phenom and it's his sport. And But you lost to a kid with a learner's permit. Now you're coming back to fight Ricky Simone, who isn't even a name. Like It's just weird matchmaking. It's too bad they couldn't have found somebody with with more name recognition or some sort of built-in feud with Faber. Like, granted, it's a huge fight for Ricky Simone. He's undefeated 3-0 in the UFC, but still, it's an odd fight for Faber to come back to. The only win in it for Faber is that it's in Sacramento. It's in his hometown. Um, I don't know what his goal is, if he's just itching for a fight and... He'll retire again after this, or if he gets a big win, is he going to come back and think he can be a title contender? He was slowing down when he retired. He was not, 
you know, an elite bantamweight anymore. He was competitive. He was good. Kind of like Frankie Edgar is now. Like, still very good, but, you know, he's going to lose to the best guys. Now it's three years later. Like, he, he hasn't gotten quicker. He hasn't gotten stronger. He hasn't gotten smarter. It's like there's diminishing returns. And especially against a guy like Ricky Simone, who no one's heard of, um, but is a tough fighter. Like, the, the benefits don't know what, like, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of return on investment there. But uh, I'll watch Uriah Faber any day. I like Faber. Um, but I'd also like to see him keep, you know, his body and brain intact. Uh, we've got a couple other upcoming fights in addition to Faber and Simone. One is an odd main event for the UFC Sacramento card. It would have been better off just headlining with Faber. Uh, officials announced Wednesday that Jermaine Durandamy will fight Aspen Ladd, a bantamweight fight at UFC Sacramento on July 13th. That's going to be the main event. Uh, people were immediately bitching about it online. Dana White told them to fuck off and not go to the show, uh, which always makes me laugh. Because <laughs> no way he's right. Like, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Uh, stop bitching about it. Just don't watch. And th- that's actually what you need to kind of enact change <laughs> in, in the UFC and promoting fights. Like, if you don't like what Conor McGregor does and all his hijinks and throwing dollies through windows and talking shit, don't watch his fights. UFC is promoting what people pay for. It, it is what it is. And granted, no one's going to pay for Ron Demi and Aspen Ladd in a main event. But at the same time, it's like really no one should go to the show if everyone feels that strongly about that being a lousy main event. It's an interesting fight. Aspen Ladd's like an up-and-coming bantamweight. Um, and Rondemy is a veteran, good kickboxer. It, it's an interesting fight, but there's no name value in that main event. Um, it's a tough main event <laughs> to get people to pay for. Um, at the same time, it'll sp- still probably do decent numbers just because it's a UFC show. But if literally no one watched the show... UFC would put on a better main event next time. They'd be forced to. So, um, yeah. GDR versus Aspen Ladd. Let's see if we can figure out who Aspen Ladd fought last. Aspen Ladd. Oh, she beat Sajara Eubanks at UFC Rochester. Sarge, I think. Is that right? Now I'm getting confused. Yeah. Unanimous decision. Aspen Ladd defeated Sajari Eubanks. Um, So yeah, that is your main event in Sacramento. We also have a co-main event having been announced recently. I I think this is set... um, or it's been like verbally agreed to. UFC 240 come in. This is going to be under the show with um, Max Holloway defending the 145-pound title against Frankie Edgar. 
We have Chris Cyborg against Felicia Spencer, the former Invicta FC champ at 145. Spencer's coming off that win over Megan Anderson, um, where she just got her down and like choked her out like it was nothing. Um, I don't like Felicia Spencer's chances here. I think she's going to get punched in the head a lot, uh, and it won't go well for her. Um, Cyborg's obviously coming off that, that crazy loss to Amanda Nunes that, you know, was her first loss in 14 years. How is she going to come back from that? You would assume fine. (laughs) You would assume she wouldn't really have an issue. She's been off for a while. Um, who is the better fighter than Spencer? Like to me, it's a mismatch, but. There's nobody else at 145, and they need a co-main event for July, and Cyborg's got a name more than most co-main eventers at this point in UFC, so there you go. It's also a non-title bout, so it's probably like our sixth or seventh uh, women's featherweight fight that's not for a title, so that's exciting. Uh, This coming weekend, we do have a UFC fight night. This one is, um, I think, in Sweden, right? Stockholm, Sweden, not to be confused with Stockholm Syndrome, Uh, June 1st, which is a Saturday, uh, UFC Fight Night 153, UFC on ESPN Plus 11 in the main event. Shockingly, we have Alexander Gustafsson versus Anthony Smith, light heavyweight, two top contenders there. both guys have obviously lost to John Jones and will probably need another win after this if they're ever going to fight Jones again. I mean, Gus has lost twice now. Smith just got his ass kicked for five rounds by Jones. I don't think anyone really wants to see Jones rematch those guys. But the light heavyweight division is very thin. We've got Tiago Santos and Jones fighting. Um, the only other guy out there is like Johnny Walker and he is not ready for a title fight by any stretch. He needs a couple wins himself. Um, potentially maybe he could fight the winner of Gus and Anthony Smith. Um, although that might even be a step too far for Johnny Walker at this point. Um, I'll have to see Khalil, is Khalil Rountree fighting at 205 or 185? Um, Anywho, uh, I, I like Gus in this fight. I, I think he's the better striker. He's going to be longer. Um, Anthony Smith's super durable, but I, I think Gus is the more talented guy. I don't see Smith getting a takedown or being able to outstrike Gus. I mean, that's it. <laughs> um, in the co-main event, we've got Volkan Uzdemir versus Iller Latifi. Again, two top ten heavyweights. Um Latifi's going to be the smaller, shorter guy, but, you know, hits hard. Ustamir has been on a skit. I think he's lost three in a row. Let's confirm that. Voltron. Yeah. Dominic Reyes lost. Anthony Smith loss, And DC loss. That was after winning five in a row um, with three first-round knockouts. Um, so... Latifi, I feel like I haven't seen him fight in a long time. Was he injured? He was calling out DC after his last fight. Um, no, he wasn't. He beat OSP, then lost to Corey Anderson. So uh, both guys coming off losses. Both guys needing to win to stay relevant at light heavyweight. 
and then in a third light heavyweight fight, we've got Jimmy Manoa versus Alexander Rakic. Rakic is um, from Austria. He's 27. Um, he's got some potential. He's 3-0. Uh, got wins over Francimar Bahoso, Justin Ledette, and Devin Clark. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does against Manoa. Manoa's known for his striking, but has got knocked out quite a bit recently. He's lost three in a row, two by knockout. One was Tiago Santos, which was a crazy brawl back in December of 2018. That fight was wild. Um, so it, we, we've got some potential light heavyweight contenders down the road here, a couple of elite light heavyweights. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how all those fights play out. You wouldn't be surprised if some of the winners and losers here are matched up again, you know, in four or five months, um, just based on scheduling and how that goes. Also on the card, we've got Maquan Amarkani versus Chris Fishgold, Demir Hadzovic versus Christis Gajos, Daniel Tamer versus Sung Bin Joe. On the prelims, we've got Tanya Evinger versus Lena Landsberg. Stevie Ray, he's usually pretty entertaining, versus Leonardo Santos. Nick Hine versus Frank Camacho. Um, and a bunch of fighters without Wikipedias rounding out the card. Uh, probably local guys from, from Sweden, Europe, European fighters that nobody knows. Um, and that is your UFC Stockholm Syndrome preview. And finally, we have the weird story of the week. Um, I try and find these weird WTF news stories um, and find a way to relate them to possibly my life or MMA um, as opposed to just, just picking random ones. I, I've got two school-aged children, uh, a daughter who's 10 and a son who is 5. And the story caught my eye, I'll be honest with you. The headline reads... Driver abandons school bus at gas station with nearly 30 students on it and tells students to go fuck yourselves. This one caught my eye. I've seen kids on school buses recently, and I've seen bus drivers get aggravated, but I've never seen behavior at this level. This took place in Pennsylvania. Uh, school bus drivers facing child endangerment charges after students say she abandoned a bus at a gas station with more than 25 students still on it. Pennsylvania State Police have charged Lori Ann Mancos, 44, with DUI and 26 counts of endangering the welfare of children. I'm guessing there were 26 kids on the bus. That's where they get that number. According to Northampton Senior high school students who were on the bus, the incident began Friday afternoon when Mancos appeared agitated. Students said at first they were joking about Mancos's bad driving, but video captured on the bus shows students starting to pa panic when the bus begins swerving. In the video, one student can be heard telling the driver to pull over. Student Mason Persiani, 16, told WFMZ that at first the bus driver refused to pull over. She ended up telling us to go fuck ourselves and flipped us off, Persiani said. You know, stuck her hand in the air and flipped us off. There's actually video. Kids, high school kids nowadays, everybody's got a phone. People are recording like the bus like swerving and the bus driver yelling at the kids and flicking them off and telling them to F off. This is 
not good behavior. Like when it's your job to drive kids to school, don't be drunk and don't tell them to F off. Don't give them the finger. Like what, what, what are you doing? Just get, get the kids home and, and you go home for the day. You know, like what, make the situation better, not worse, I guess, is the moral of this story. So it's like yelling at the kids, arguing with them as she swerves down the highway. And kids are recording it. It's like maybe 20, 30 years ago, you're a drunk bus driver. You can get away with it. There's not a lot of evidence. Now there's cameras at intersections. There's kids recording you. There's people on the sidewalk filming the bus. It's like you can't. You're held more accountable now. There's video everywhere. It's just it's the world today. Don't get drunk and drive the school bus kids home to and from school. Like what are you what are you doing? Um the dress <laughs> later on in the video the driver can be heard asking, Do you want if I just pulled over and called everybody's parents to pick them up? The students can be heard shouting yes in response. Eventually Mancos parked the bus at a Sunoco gas station. But Persiani said she would not let the students off the bus. Video then shows the students leaving out the back door's emergency exit. So this woman is getting yelled at by all these kids, probably has a buzz on, is under the influence of something. The kids are yelling, let us off. She goes, oh, you want me to pull over and just let you out? And the kids yell, yes. Like she was like calling their bluff, I think, in her mind. But the kids wanted off the bus because she's driving like a maniac. So she pulls over at a gas station. And won't let them out. Like, the front door, the one that, like, collapses, like it's an accordion, that sort of door. Like, that she kept closed. But every kid knows, like, oh, the bus rolled over, we can't get out. You go out the emergency door out the back. Like, there's huge red signs, emergency exit. Like, everybody knows. When I was a kid, we did drills. Like, people would help us on and off and how to get out the back of the bus. And, like, the windows go down in case the bus rolls over and catches on fire or some shit that never really actually happens. So the kids in the back of the bus just pop the door out and got out. <laughs> this bus driver's a disaster. Um, the school district told uh, WFMZ News that Mancos then got off the bus and walked away from the gas station, leaving the students stranded. Police say she handed the bus keys to a gas station employee before walking away. Many students called their parents to come pick them up from the gas station. The school district arranged for another bus driver to arrive at the gas station and take home the rest of the students. No one was hurt in the incident, but parents said they wanted an explanation. Okay, silver lining, nobody got hurt. That's why we can joke around and laugh about this. Nobody got hurt. But the bus driver gets off the bus, gives the bus keys to somebody who works at the gas station, and just walks away. No no regard for the kids. Don't know how they're going to get home. Um, no regard for the bus. And where did she go from there? Like, you're you're in the middle of, like, a, a busy road intersection. You're at a gas station. Where do you walk to from there? Like, clearly this woman was not in the right frame of mind to be out in public, let alone driving kids around on a school bus. 
And then the kids have to call their parents for a ride home. And the bus company sends another driver to drive the remaining kids home. Like, what a, a, a screwed up day. And my favorite part of the entire article is parents said they want an explanation. The woman was drunk and nobody caught it. That's the explanation. Like, it's a pretty simple explanation of what happened here. This lady was messed up under the influence of God knows what driving kids around. Could that happen? Yeah, I I don't think school buses have the breathalyzer thing that John Jones has in his car to start his car up. Maybe they should. Maybe people who are responsible for getting our kids home safely should have to prove they're sober. I don't know. Is that an intrusion of privacy? Invasion of privacy, whatever? I don't think so. I, I, I want kids home safe. Pay the bus drivers a couple extra dollars an hour to blow in a breathalyzer before they get behind the wheel. I, I'd be okay with that. I want my kids home safe. I want everybody's kids home safe. Um, but the parents wanting an explanation. Holy shit, the explanation's right in front of your face. Like, could it be any clearer? Um, Mark Mankos was arrested and charged, but it's unclear what penalties she will face with her employer. Um, hopefully they let her go. She seems possibly like one of the worst bus drivers you could ever have. She swears at the kids and drives them around drunk. Like, what else would you have to do to get fired in that situation? Like, crash the bus with the kids in it. Hit a kid. Physically assault a child on a bus. That might be worse. Nobody got hurt. But she was still yelling at the kids, telling them to F themselves. And driving around drunk, swerving around between lanes. Um... Yeah, she should probably be let go. And on that note, I'm going to let my loyal listener or two go as I stutter over the close of this show. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of the MMA MMA show, Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts show. I shall be back next week. Sorry I was late this week, a day late and a dollar short. What does that even mean? A day late and a dollar short. You showed up somewhere late and didn't have enough money. Although nowadays, like, would anybody care if you were short a dollar? A dollar's not worth that. I think that's a dated phrase we should get rid of. A day late and a dollar short. Yeah, that that saying is a day late and a dollar short, actually. Anyways, thank you for listening. Check out um, the Twitter account, MMA, MMA Show 1, and the Instagram, MMA, MMA Show. I appreciate you joining me, and we will be back again with another episode of this program next week. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.